This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Hey, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today for episode number 52. 52. All right. We are concluding a four-part series that we've been calling Living Rent-Free. Yes, we stole that from the Gen Z term of, you know, how those thoughts live rent-free in your mind. So we're calling this series Living Rent-Free, and we are concluding a four-part episode. And so if you've missed the previous three episodes, don't worry, because you can go back and listen to them and download them, because they're great episodes, I would say. Really great. Uh, But this series that we're doing, that we're concluding today, is based off a recent series that our church did uh, on the topic of mental health called Mastermind. And you can go view that series of messages uh, at reallifechurch.org, or you can download the Real Life Church app to catch all the powerful series, okay? It was awesome. Such a great series. And so we've kind of modeled that series, uh, this series after that series. So the premise of this series is that we are always allowing things whether it be false perspectives or lies about who we are, what we are, and how we are, to live rent-free in our minds, okay? And what we are finding is that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so if you were to take an evaluation of your life and look at what you've been thinking versus what you've been doing, decision-making, behavior, you would probably find there's some similar or similarity to to both because our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So, for example, if you're always constantly looking for problems, if you're always thinking about problems and looking for problems, then you often probably always find problems in your life. And the opposite can be true of that. And so what we've been saying is that we're tired of those negative and unhelpful and untrue thoughts living rent-free in our minds. So we're going to do something about it. That's what the premise of this series is. That's what we've been doing. So we're concluding that today. I hope you've enjoyed it and are ready for this last, last part of this series. It's going to be really good, okay? So here you go. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been a part of something, uh, let's say, you know, where people or maybe you like you enjoy talking about this thing or dealing with it and and being a part of it? Um, Because like one side of it, like it's like really cool and it's nice and it's all put together and there's just like maybe a beauty to it. It's kind of a greatness to it. But then like you don't really like talk about like the other side of that thing, maybe the more like uglier side of it. Like, for example, like movie theaters, right? Like movie theaters are so cool. You go to a movie theater, you sit down, you know, with other people, friends, spouses, whatever it is, and you watch a movie in the dark and the sound's all cool. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Right. But what what you don't talk about is when the light turns on. Right. Because when they turn on the lights, that place looks like a dump. There's popcorn everywhere. There's candy that's been there since like the 1940s. Right. Little packs of animals are running around on the floor. It's terrible. No one talks about that. Right. Or how about when you go to your favorite restaurant? You you love this restaurant. You eat the food there. It's delicious. You maybe order the same thing, right? But what we don't want to talk about, what we don't want to see is behind the kitchen. Because we all know the stories and the horror stories, especially if you worked in restaurants. You know, the kitchen is probably not the most prettiest, cleanest place you've ever seen. Or how about this? Parenting, right? They tell you, oh, you'll love it. You'll love having kids. Kids are gifts from God. They're awesome. Love raising them. It's great, right? Everything they do is so precious, right? But what we end up discovering as parents is that parenting is not a Disney movie, right? Parenting can have really, really hard moments. How about this last one? How about marriage? 
right? It's this beautiful picture of God's love or his people expressing the commitment of a man and a woman coming together and spending their whole lives committed to each other. And, and they're just fairy tale in love, right? But what they don't tell you about and what you end up finding about is the bathroom situation. Here's what I mean. Like you ever had to clean the drain of your bathroom? And when you clean the drain and you dig out that like really, really disgusting, nasty hair that looks like a small, you know, bacteria or animal that had died in the drain. See, that's like not the picture you had when you got married. Right. So there are many things like that in life. And the same could be said for faith. You see, we talk a lot about faith and how great and how beautiful it is and how it can be this awesome thing. But there's another side to faith and it's doubt. Like when life is going really well, when all of our endeavors are working out, faith tends to be really easy and we're more willing to walk in faith and we're more willing to tell everybody, oh, you just got to have faith, right? But what about when life isn't going as well, when our plans are constantly being interrupted or failing to live up to expectations? What about faith when we are no longer on the mountaintop, right? And we're, uh, you know, we're, we're feeling God's presence, but instead we feel like God is absent or distant. What about faith then? What happens when our doubts start to creep in and turn all of our hope into despair? You see, faith and doubt are such a major component of the human experience that if doubt ever starts to live rent-free in our minds, it can be the thing that everything else crumbles under. So, in this last episode of this series, Living Rent-Free, let's talk about it. Let's talk about doubt, and let's understand it and do something about it. And now, again, as I've done in the past three episodes, I want to make sure I, I, I state this very clearly and, and, and graciously and, and caring. I know that there are a lot of us who might be listening whose thought life, whose doubts, all of that is not so easily controlled by ourselves because of things like chemical imbalances and clinical depression and, and things like that. And it can be really difficult to try to gain traction in your life because of those things. I totally understand that. And if you're someone that's listening that is walking through that and you're seeking medical and professional help, let me tell you that is 100% okay. It's okay to not be okay. And what I shared today, as I've shared in the past three episodes, is not to replace any of that. It's actually to kind of come alongside and partner from a spiritual perspective with what is happening both uh, from the medical professional and in your life as well. Okay. Now, with that being said, most of us tend to believe that faith and doubt are on the opposite ends of each other, like a spectrum, right? Like you have faith on one side, and then at the complete end of the spectrum, you have doubt on the other side. We commonly believe that if you have faith, then you can't doubt. Like it's just, oh, if you're a faithful person, then you're not a doubting person. And if you have doubt, then faith is almost impossible for you. Like if you're a doubter, then it's hard to be someone of faith, right? And that can lead us to, to believing statements like, well, I can't follow Jesus or, or I won't be blessed or I won't break free from the anxiety and depression because I have doubts. But can I just tell you? Let me just tell you, that is not an accurate perspective of what these two are. Actually, believe it or not, there's an actual paradox going on here. And a paradox is basically two things that appear to be uh, in, in contradictory of each other, but yet they actually go hand in hand. See, you can't eliminate doubt without also eliminating faith as well. 
Wait, did he say that? Yes, I did. You cannot eliminate doubt without also eliminating faith. Now, if there was any moment, and here's 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 why I said that last statement, because if there was any moment in the history of the world, literally, that we could have eliminated doubt, that doubt could have been dealt with and eliminated forever, it would have been in this moment, okay? There's a moment uh, that one of the first uh, century followers of Jesus, a guy uh, by the name of Matthew, he records this moment that if doubt was ever going to have been eliminated, it would have been in this very moment. Here's what Matthew wrote. He said, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Okay, now here's a little bit of the backstory with this. So Jesus, having just been crucified on a cross, murdered on a cross, right, then was buried uh, in a tomb for three days. Now, before all this happened, on several occasions during the journey that he had with his disciples, he told them repeatedly that this was going to happen to them. Now, in the beginning, he kind of told it in a a not-so-clear way, almost like hiding the true essence of it. Then, towards the end, as he was getting closer to his uh, capture and arrest and 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 beating and and then crucifixion he began to basically spell it out to them that he was going to be taken and he was going to be murdered and but don't worry he'd be back in 3 days right and and maybe maybe they just kind of didn't take him seriously until they saw it all happen okay now after it all happened he told them before that it all happened that hey I'm going to come back I'm going to come back I'm going to come back over and over again okay so then he rose from the dead, and he and the disciples get word that they're supposed to meet him at Galilee, okay, which was the area where his ministry actually began three years ago before the the before his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. And they meet on a mountain there, which is which is eerily similar to to Moses. I mean, there's so much here that you could really dig into. We don't have time for that, but it's really similar to what Moses, which shows that Jesus is the new Moses. Really cool point. But anyways, they meet on this mountain uh, in Galilee, or maybe a mount, probably is a better word, or like a big hill. And there they see Jesus. Okay, they see him. And a lot of them are like, holy goodness, it's Jesus. And so they begin to worship him. Right. Now, if there was ever a moment that doubt should have been eliminated, it would have been in this moment. These are, and these are Jesus' close followers. They saw everything he had did. They got to take part in all of his ministries and miracles. They even got to see Jesus after he died and rose back to life. Like if there was a moment, again, I'll, I'll say this again. If there was a moment that doubt could have been eliminated, it would have been in this moment. Let's reread that verse and finish it out, okay? Matthew writes, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee and going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But catch this. But some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. Are you kidding me? This is the Jesus who predicted everything. As Rusty likes to say at Real Life Church, man, if you can predict your death and burial and resurrection and actually pull it off, well, then we're going to tend to listen to everything else you have to say, right? But some of the disciples who walked with him for those three years ended up still doubting. Now, it wasn't like a forever doubt like they never believed. It was just kind of like a temporary, is this really real? Is this reality? Is this really happening? What does that tell us? That as much as we'd like to believe that once we have faith, we'll never have doubt, it's just simply not true. 
It's just not true. Like, I would love to tell you in this podcast episode that, like, yeah, I have the secrets to eliminating your doubts, and here are the ways that you could do that. I just don't. I don't think it's possible. But what I can do is I can help us to begin to reframe the way we see doubt and hopefully find ways that we can work through our doubts, okay? So here's what we got to do. Instead of seeing faith and doubt as two means that are on the opposite ends of each other, that are that are separated by this long line, and so you have faith on one side and doubt on the other side, and you can only be one or the other, we actually have to see faith and doubt as a all-inclusive circer, cir- cir- circle partnership, okay? Circle's a hard word for me. But we have to see it as more of an all-inclusive circle partnership, okay? So we have faith and we have doubts. They go hand in hand as partners. Why? Because doubt is uncertainty and faith is uncertainty with confidence. Let me say that again. Doubt is uncertainty and faith is uncertainty with confidence. You see, doubt isn't the enemy of our faith. But our faith is the most important thing and the foundation that everything else sits on. Our faith is what we cling to and what we grab on when there are things that are maybe unseen and and, and haven't happened yet. And how doubt partners with faith is, is really cool and really unique. You see, doubt is the thing that keeps us reaching back towards our faith, right? Doubt is the thing that keeps us going towards that rope of faith and pulling ourselves ever so closer and closer to Jesus. So let me just tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you might be exploring what it means to follow Jesus and you're listening to this episode and you have some doubts, can I tell you, it's okay. It's okay to have some doubts. There are times, me as a pastor, I have doubts. It's okay. There shouldn't be a stigma or shame that comes with our doubts. I love the way uh, a friend of mine who I used to work with, his name is Ryan Bramlett. He's one of the uh, teaching pastors at Traders Point Christian Church in Indianapolis. He puts it this way. He says, having doubts doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. It means you're human. Having doubts doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. It just simply means you're a human. And we got to stop letting doubt keep us from God. We have to stop letting doubt keep us from gathering with others. Stop letting doubt keep us from loving each other. It's not something that should keep us from anything God deems as good, right? And guess what? When we stop letting doubt live rent-free in our mind space, <laughs> we can start to turn doubt into an invitation. In an, uh, into an invitation to ask questions, to pray, and to work our way through our doubts so that we can get ever so closer to Jesus. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some thoughts around working through our doubts, okay? And the thing is, again, remember, doubt and faith partner together. And these thoughts aren't like the end-all, be-all, you'll get better. No, they're just maybe uh, spots that we can start on a pathway to partnering our doubt with our faith, okay? Because we want to remove doubt out of living as a rent-free in our mind space, okay? Remember, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And unless we put doubt in its proper place and perspective, we'll never be able to experience God's best for us, okay? So one practical step that we can begin to take is giving God the benefit of the doubt. Now, we all know, we've all heard this statement before, right? Giving someone the benefit of the doubt. When you're giving someone the benefit of the doubt, what you're basically doing is you're accepting someone as honest or deserving of trust, even though there are doubts. 
So when you give someone the benefit of the doubt, you're accepting that what they say or who they are is honest and deserving of your trust, even if you have doubts, right? Now, can I tell you, again, for those of you who are either following Jesus or exploring what it means to follow Jesus and you're listening to this episode, this is literally the way in life of a Jesus follower. Like this is this is basically what we're doing. We're trusting that even though sometimes we have doubts, that God is who he says he is, right? Doubt isn't something that should keep us from God nor community with others who, like us, are all just trying to find and follow Jesus. And one of the things I love about our church that we're a part of is that it's so welcoming to people who come from all who come in with all sorts of stories of where they are in their faith journey. And our church does not have a sign on the door that says doubters unwelcome. Mm-mm. In fact, what we actually say and believe is that it's a place that you can belong long before you have to believe. So we invite people to bring all their fears, all their worries, all their questions, and all their doubt so that they aren't going at it alone. Because we're all on this journey together. And as we are all walking through our faith and our doubts together, the hope is that we'll get to a place where we can say, even when I don't know why, I know who. Let me say that again. The idea of our church, of our community, is that we can get to a place within our faith and our doubts that partner together, that where we can say, even when we don't know why, we know who. You see, that statement is a trust in Jesus, that even when we don't know the why behind something or when something may or may not happen, we can trust the who in the person of Jesus. Because let's be real, Jesus is the most trustworthy person ever, ever. He is who he says he is, and he never changes. So if there's anybody that we should be giving the benefit of the doubt to, it's most certainly Jesus. One of Jesus' followers describes him in this way. John, who was one of the first followers of Jesus, said this. He said, so the word, and I put in the emphasis God here, became human, emphasis Jesus, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You see, we're not just giving the benefit of the doubt to anyone. We're giving it to a God who has nothing but unfailing love and faithfulness for you and I. Everything he's doing, and I mean everything, is done for our good, as Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, in God's glory. Okay, so we give God the benefit of the doubt. We should. That's a great step to start. Another good step, practical step to start in is humbly admitting often, I don't know. Now, this is a really hard thing to do because doubt is essentially born out of the phrase, I don't know. And oftentimes in our lives, we just won't know why something happened the way it did or why what we prayed for didn't happen or why God allows things like school shootings and cancer and economic hardships or whatever perceived injustice you want to insert there to happen. Like it's hard. It's hard when we don't know. It's hard to live in ambiguity. But I am continually learning. And what I want to encourage you as well is that if we're ever going to get doubt in its proper space, we're going to have to humbly say often, you know what, I just don't know. And not be shameful of it, not not feel inferior about it. Just to say, you know what, I just really don't know. 
And the last practical step is, is a partner to that step. So when we admit often that we don't know, then we should boldly proclaim, but here is what I do know. Remember, faith and doubt are not separated by long linear lines. They are actually circular partners. Doubt is uncertainty and faith is uncertainty with confidence. Doubt is an invitation, right? Remember, to bring our questions, our wanderings, our fears, our worries, and that helps us move closer to Jesus. And as we move closer to Jesus, we begin to gain confidence that even when we humbly admit that we don't know in the moment, we have confidence in what we do know. Now, here's where those, here's where doubt typically develops in and where our confidence should move towards, okay? There are basically three areas that we see doubt develop in as we deal with this boldly proclaiming, here's what I do know. The first area is people, right? Now, this is where we often find ourselves asking the question, if God is so good, why are there messed up people? Or even yet, if God is so good, why are there messed up Christians or messed up followers of him? You see, what happens often is we tend to associate what we see in people to who God is. So our doubts about faith come through the lens of what people have shown us, right? But instead of assuming that that's what we see in people is who God is, we should understand who Jesus is. So instead of seeing God through the lens of people, we should see people through the lens of Jesus. And that understanding comes from spending time in the words, with the words of the eyewitnesses who got to see Jesus and who he was up close in person and, and up close and personal with, okay? And once we do that, we'll be able to separate out when someone who claims to follow Jesus does the opposite of who Jesus is. Now, another area that doubt develops in that we have to develop confidence in is in proof. So if people is if if people is doubt 1b then this is most certainly doubt 1a like a lot of people who believe in god a lot of people would believe in god if they had you know certifiable proof right like they would believe if 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 god would send them just a clear sign a clear thing that says hey I am here and I am real, then they would believe in God. It's like uh, if you go back and read the eyewitnesses' accounts of Jesus' life, he had these run-ins with these what were called religious teachers, Pharisees, scribes. They were basically like the religious heat of the day, okay? And in one instance, they are asking Jesus for a sign. They're like, Jesus, prove to us that you are who you say you are, right? And Jesus basically tells him, I'm not going to give you the sign. The only sign I'm going to give you is, is the story of Jonah, the prophet in the Old Testament, who got swallowed by a whale and lived in the well for three days and three nights. And basically, that's what's going to happen to me. And so, of course, the religious teachers are upset. Why, why are they upset? Because if proof was ever enough, then, for instance, like a marriage license would be enough to keep a marriage together, right? The problem with proof is that it's never enough. You see, the religious leaders were after conviction. That's what proof does. Proof gives conviction. But Jesus is after a relationship. And you don't get a relationship from proof. You get a relationship from connection. But the religious leaders were after proof. And the problem with proof is that it's never enough. The truth is, proof is enough for a conviction, but it's not enough for a relationship. But here's the thing. Let me just tell you, if you need proof, you can find it. 
If you need proof about Jesus, you can find it in the historical eyewitness accounts and the thousands of original manuscripts and in the historical accuracy of the Bible. There is tons of proof, but I will say this over and over. It will never be enough until you come to this mind space of saying, Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you're all the proof that I need. And here's the third area of doubt that we have to gain more confidence in. It's pain. It's pain. Because it's really hard for us to reconcile, you know, a good God with painful circumstances. Like it's hard to trust in and maybe even believe because the two seem incompatible to each other. Like how is there a good God and painful things in our life? And I just want to say, I don't know. I truly don't know why. I don't know why a lot of things have happened to me that were painful. I do know that some things happened because of my own bad decisions, and maybe the same is true for you as well. But I don't know why a lot of other bad things have happened to me. I don't know why a lot of bad things have happened to you that have happened. I, I, I don't have the answer. I don't have a why. But here's what I do know. I do know who Jesus is. And if I can have the confidence in who Jesus says he is, then I know he is not absent in the pain. Let me say that again for you. If we can have the confidence in who Jesus says he is, then we will know that he is not absent in the pain. You see, I know that there is a God who is for me. And because of Jesus, I know there's a God who has experienced everything I have experienced and even more. And I know that with my God, with your God, if you follow Jesus, pain was not a part of the plan. But when it came in, he made a plan for the pain and he's going to deal with it. I mean, you see this in the very last book of the Bible called Revelation. Uh, we, we tend to stay away from it because it's just really tricky and a lot of imagery in it. But man, there is so much good truth in it. And it takes faith to believe this. And, and what happened is that God revealed this really great future vision to John. Remember, we mentioned John earlier. He was one of Jesus' first followers. And here's what John wrote, what he saw. He saw that God said that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's powerful. So we may not know a lot of things, but we can trust that in the end, every wrong thing, every terrible thing, every painful thing will cease to happen and we will one day experience the bliss of a painless life. You see, if you hear anything of this series from the last four episodes, including this episode, it's this. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And depending on which thoughts are living rent-free in our minds, that will determine the course of our lives. And so if you're letting doubt circumvent your faith, then you're going to live a life of doubt. But if you partner your doubt with your faith, if you allow your doubt to be the catalyst which invites you to move closer and closer to Jesus— then you'll begin to live God's best for you. Now, not our best, not our version of best, not what we think is best, but God's best, okay? So let's clear the unhelpful thoughts that are living rent-free by using doubt 
to strengthen our faith. Well, I want to thank you for listening today. And if this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I'd love it if you would provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast episodes because it will help this show reach more people. And that's what it's all about. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit Uncommon Christian podcast.com.